With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Lisa can also be found at Law Life, lahlife.com on the web. Hi, Lisa. Hello there. So you want to talk about context problems, people who have context problems? Yes, I was... (laughs) It just struck me as kind of funny, the phrase context problems. And I thought, well, that's the perfect strategy for dealing with stress uh, subject matter. Because context problems are, are enormous. And they're really a question of how do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? And... And, and how do you, it, uh, how does your brain go against you or help you? And, um, of course it all points back to me to a context, to a concept of awareness. Because if you're not fully aware of where you are and what you're doing and what you're asking yourself to do, then you, you can't be aware of, of the consequences. And it's really, really important to be in be where you are. Be where you're at. And so context is everything. And I so, think that uh, the the skills for developing – you either have context or you – or the skills for developing context is a little on the light side. You what know, do you mean? You either have this – you either know how to recognize context or you don't. Ah, but you can remind yourself because you frequently lose sight of it. So that's why I say – it's about awareness, and that's why it appealed to me as a strategy for dealing with stress problem, because it's a very good example of how when you do practices or just, if you want to talk about it this way, create the discipline to force yourself to be in context, then things flow more smoothly, things flow more easily, and we can use the example of snow. So everyone was expecting this enormous snowstorm. Once upon a time, because they were but, relying on computer. No, but and and some. But it's people, fine. It's fine. It was you know it was preparedness, and that's all fine. And some people did get an enormous amount of snow. What was really interesting, though, within we were just talking to someone uh, uh, in a different show who had uh, who's lived in New York for about fifty years, and he said, you know, <laughs> we were harking back to old snowstorms where you didn't shut the entire city down. You didn't no. shut down the buses and the subways. Well, that's a political matter, right? That's because politically people get in so much trouble for not having prepared properly. So that's a slightly different <laughs> issue. But it's also but- a practical <laughs> problem. I mean, it's, it's a, yes, a, yes, it's a political problem, but it's also a practical problem. And that's, that's to me the key to context because you've got to look for the practical, you, you've got to look at the practical situation first. Right. Well, you've got you've got to be where you're at. You've got to be right. where you are and recognize it. Right? So if you shut down so all the roads, what is context? Let's think about what context really means, just okay. really on a basic definitional level. So to me, it has something to do with um, whatever the circumstances are. They create the setting. They give you the setting uh, for which you can fully understand where you're at. So if you have to be aware of what your setting is, and you have to be aware enough to be aware. So if you are constantly with your head in the ground, 
and not paying attention to what's going on around you, then you're always going to be sort of somewhat out of context. And the context for understanding there's going to be a huge amount of snow, and therefore when it snows 11 inches, you feel like, ah, we didn't get anything. It's just kind of a funny comment, which is how this whole thing came up. Right. Is that people keep kept saying to me in reference to this supposed huge blizzard snowstorm that was going to happen to New York City. Of course, it did happen further north. And, and, New, York, and New York got such a craziness. And because, as we say, the political context is such that they over-prepare, which is good in the case of Sandy. It's not so good when they literally shut schools prophylactically, cancel thousands of flights, and then they get six inches of snow. Right. And, and to me, that's where both in life and within political context and just in running the world context, you can be a little – it seems to me that you can be a little less reactive – well, I, I don't, I, we should be, and that's why this is a strategy for dealing with stress right. conversation. Because being reactive is never a good thing. Being reactive usually means that we overreact. Being prepared, that's, that's different. a different thing. Right. That's proper preparation prevents yeah, performance. performance, right. But, but being overreactive or being reactive at all, if you are in a reactive posture to someone or something, then you're not acting honestly out of your own needs and desires. You're rather acting because you think or you perceive or you expect a certain behavior from someone else. And that's not a great place to be. It's not a great place for your health, either mentally or physically. And since my fundamental belief about stress and managing it is that you have to understand what your context is. It's, it's a really foundational understanding. You have to understand where you are in relation to circumstances around you. And you have to be clear-eyed in understanding what those circumstances are, what they are and what they are not, right? So a big snowstorm is potentially going to cause problems. It is, for the most part, not going to be life-threatening. So, you know, prepare by filling your bathtub, prepare by making sure that you have enough supplies on hand should you need them, but don't go into hyper overdrive anxiety mode because the world, you know, my son, when I called him the day before one of these big snow events, answered the phone, snowpocalypse, may I help you? And I thought, that's so funny because contextually, he had already decided that the world was overreacting. And that's not particularly good context either. No, and most of the time now you, you have these almost two poles. It's either over-prepare and mock and say, hey, it didn't happen, or under-prepare and then run around screaming about how wounded you were. Exactly. And I, So neither is good because they're both reactive. Right. They're both reactive to something that you just simply don't know if it's going to happen. And if you have a particularly anxious personality, and this I see in my clients whenever we're dealing with reactive behaviors and situations or, you know, highly charged emotional situations, they get the knickers get in a twist. So you're unable or incapable of actually thinking clearly when all those knickers in a twist hormones are rushing through you <laughs> um, at a pace. Because knickers in a twist is not a good way to, you can't run fast. You can't actually sit down and be comfortable. You can't do anything well when your knickers are in a twist when you're overreacting to a situation. The only thing you can do well is extreme feats, like lifting cars off people who have been hit by them. 
that's the only practical use for over-adrenalizing your system. And since for the most part, that's not what we're dealing with. We're not dealing, that's why I raised the point with these snowstorms, for the most part, the worst case scenario for most people is not going to be life-threatening. So to prepare for it as though it's life-threatening for the average citizen is counterproductive. (laughs) And how do you, this was a question I was trying to ask at the very beginning, how do you create a situation where people are calm enough to go to the middle, you know, like develop context as a strategy when it's been so at this juncture highly um, evolved to go either under or over? Well, there really is no way unless you are very aware of yourself and you are able to always sit back and sort of even take a split second to analyze the situation. You know, you, in the case of a snowstorm, take the snowstorm, for example, you would have to look at the news and you would have to say to yourself, okay, I'm in my house or a big apartment building or wherever you are. And I have done these things so that in the worst case scenario, I'm prepared, but probably I'm okay no matter what. You, you'd have to be very practical and very clear eyed about where you are. You have to be very aware of where you are, what you're doing, what the weather, what's the worst it could be, what's the best it could be. I'll give you another example. I was recently counseling a client, working with a client who's going through a divorce, and they had to go to court and confront their spouse in the sort of final deal. And they were just incapable of functioning. They were like frozen in the what if, and I don't know. And so the work that we had to do was purely psychology based it was about and then systemat systemically based just breathe just get calm enough to really see what was going on and then look, so the exercise was let's look at the very worst case scenario what is the very worst thing that's going to happen to you today or that could possibly happen And what's the best outcome that you can envision? So we went through this exercise of making lists and going back and forth over a couple of sessions so that they could be prepared for what was going to happen, which, of course, no one knew what was going to happen. So the context was we had to create a context and we had to create parameters so that this person could function optimally. So their brain would be functioning well because if they were in a panic mode, then the adrenaline would be running and they just literally wouldn't be able to think clearly because that is literally what happens physiologically. Likewise, the other alternative, which a doctor had recommended to this client, was to take a Valium. And I said, oh, please don't do that because you're going to dull and numb your actual thinking abilities. This is a very bright woman. Your ability to parse out what issues were coming up as they were coming up. So either way, she was either going to be over-adrenalized and therefore compromised or valiumed out and therefore compromised. So I said, no, no, let's take a couple of sessions here and really work on deep breathing, oxygenating the brain, oxygenating the body, calming yourself down, balancing you out. Repeatedly over the course of the day, this was going to be necessary. So we had to give her the tools in her toolbox so that when she was in that situation, which we knew was coming, she would be able to use those tools of calming down and creating clarity in the mind. So we imagined a context for her, circumstances, where 
the worst thing was going to happen. And then we gave her tools to deal with that worst thing. And those same tools worked beautifully in what in fact appeared to happen, as she reported later, which was the scenario wasn't good, but it wasn't nearly as bad as her brain was allowing her to freak out about. And she had these tools so that every once in a while she took a break, she did some deep breathing, she did some alternate nostril breathing, and really asked herself to remember what she wanted at the end of the day. Not getting all caught up in the small issues. So this is an example of how you can prepare properly, even for a context that you don't know exactly what it's going to deal out. But you can imagine parameters. You can kind of give it a context of its own. So, so practice, that. yeah. It's all, it's, so to wrap it up, it's all about tools for creating an awareness of where you are and tools for creating clarity in what you find. And that's where it, uh, that, that, that's where it requires a certain amount of, uh, if, if, if mindfulness or consciousness or conscientiousness because you have to assess what the current situation is and then decide. Yep. And not always so easy, hmm. especially when you are being told by perfectly reliable sources that, you know, the, the you know what is going to hit the you know where. Exactly. So that's, but that's, uh, it's always fascinating. So how would you, how would you, yes? How would you encourage people who clearly don't have context to develop context? Well, as I say, context is circumstance, and so I think that this exercise that I just outlined would work in pretty much any situation. Let's take snow again. Okay. If that snow was going to stress you out, was going to make you incredibly anxious. So you have to sit down, you have to say to yourself, whoa, once you feel yourself going into hyperdrive, into, whoa, whoa, this is making me anxious, I'm stressing out about this. So take anything in your life, but anything that you literally say to yourself, oh, I'm getting stressed, I'm stressing out. I find it very helpful and very useful to say, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen here? And sometimes the worst thing that's going to happen is death. Like, so, okay, let's take an example. It just came to me, but it's something else I've worked on with clients, um, several. Fear of flying. Okay? So what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, you're going to die. The plane's going to go down. Well, what's the worst thing that, that's going to happen? Oh, oh, it's that, that last 30 seconds before the plane goes down is going to be, I'm just going to be so anxious, but then I'm going to die. So what's the best thing that's going to happen? Well, the best thing that's going to happen is it's going to be a smooth flight and you're going to have some peanuts and watch a few movies. What's in the middle? What's in the middle is there's going to be turbulence. You're going to have these imaginings that the worst is going to happen, but you're going to have prepared some tools for coping. And the tools for coping are going to have to be having some clarity and presence of mind. You're going to have to control your mind. It comes down to controlling your mind, always. And when you control your mind... You can then control your physiological experiences to some extent. And if you are a really highly practiced yogi or an adept, then they can actually lower their body temperature so much that they can have surgery and nobody would know and they wouldn't feel it. That's empirically true. So we know how powerful the mind is. And we know that the mind creates a context for us in the absence of any real context. So that like, the, you know, there's a vacuum. Well, your mind is going to fill it with all kinds of crazy disaster scenarios. 
So you have to marshal and control your mind. And then you've got to let your mind in. And let me tell you this. A lot of times when I'm working with people, they say, but I get to the point where I'm so anxious, I can't even remember how to do the breathing exercise. Or you're too anxious and you feel too sick and too perturbed to go there. So, okay, in that scenario, you've got a tool that's going to help you because when you do deep breathing exercises, you are literally, as I say over and over, bathing your body. You're giving yourself oxygen. You're allowing hormones to be released that will help you. And you're curtailing or flushing the hormones that are going to make you more anxious. So there's real physiological benefit happening from these practices. But when you're all hepped up, when you're inside the, the, the funnel of the tornado, you are not literally capable of reasoning with yourself. You cannot get control of your mind. Your mind is spinning out of control. There's all these expressions about it. I spun out. I flipped out. I was out of control. All of those things are solved by gathering your brain and your mind, different things actually, but your brain and your mind and marshalling the force of that towards doing the practices that will help you marshal your brain and your mind. So it's one of those funny situations where you've got to do the very thing that you're least capable of doing, which is why in practical strategies for dealing with stress, stress management terms, you have to have these practices fully at your disposal. Your brain and your mind, but your brain has to know from experience that that works. You have to have used your breathing exercises enough that you have experienced that feeling of calm and clarity enough that you can override the hysteria and just do it. So that's the trick. Right. Right. So you, the, the given is that you are flipped out. You are out of control. The given is that you can't actually help yourself unless you just slap, a, like give yourself a slap in the face. Apply these practices that you know work and just keep doing them until they work. Because they will work. But you have to do them. So I've even experienced myself, just for myself in my own little mind, some very stressful situations where I actually, <laughs> you're going to laugh because I'm going to tell a st- story on myself, but I actually reverted at one point I can think of clearly to an old pattern, which was to reach for a Diet Coke and some popcorn because that used to be a comfort food for me. That was a way for me to say, I'm going to do the worst thing. I'm going to have popcorn and Diet Coke, which are the worst things for my body. And they satisfy some kind of bad girl (laughs) craving, taste, sense, memory about something that was good for me. So my brain says, go do that. Go do that. That'll make you feel better. And my practice mind, my inner wisdom mind says, oh, my Lordy B, that is going to make you worse That's going to throw chemicals into your system. That is going to hep you up on caffeine. That is going to make the lack of clarity even more acute and make everything worse. So I had to allow and force my brain to just take control of the ship. It's like the captain of the ship has been locked up and put in the basement and I have to go release the captain and say, Captain, Captain, come on, we need you. 
But really, the captain is locked up in the bottom of the hold <laughs> and is not in control. With an anchor of the wrapped around him. <laughs> <laughs> so the trick is to have these tools so that you know they work, so that you can just force yourself to go and do a 20 minute or a 10 minute, I mean, in my case, a 10 minute, 20 minute meditation breathing practice instead of going and having a Diet Coke and some popcorn. Like, it's laughable when I say these words. I'm like, oh, my Lord, really? That was the choice? But in the acute moment, in the time where it is, and, of course, in that particular context, the Diet Coke and the popcorn happen to be sitting at the table. Um, you know, my, my mind was willing to, my brain was willing to say, go for it, girl. That looks really good. Like the little demon sitting on your shoulder. And then the little practical angel was going, no, no, come do this. Well, and every you know so what? often, every so often, my practical angel dresses up. I, and this is how I know it. I will <laughs> dresses up as a demon with little horns. And I will be doing something. And then I will switch to something else. This usually happens when planets are in Pisces. D- note. But... I'll switch to something and I'll turn around and the thing that I was doing was absolutely not complete. Absolutely not complete. This right. is the first thing. And that's how I know I have just lost the plot completely. Mm-hmm. Because the, 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 you, you know, your, um, proper preparation prevents mm-hmm. that. Well, one of a real good clue about practical sanity or not is how much of a vapor trail you are leaving behind you as you try to accomplish things. Right. You know, how, 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 meaning how much <coughs> spillover, how much, meaning how much spillover or how much, um, you just, just, just how much drip, shall we say. <laughs> so that, um, and when, you know, it's one thing to have a droplet and it's quite another to have a completely undone, wow, I just left all of the dog food bowls out on the sink full of food that the cat's about to walk through. Interesting. <laughs> you know, definitely time to slow your roll, you know, pull it back in. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the you know sort of title of our show, which is Context circumstance, you have to have tools to manage circumstance, to to find awareness and clarity within any context and not allow someone else's context to rule your responses. Because if you if you simply go with whatever you think is happening because people are telling you that, you may or may not, it may or may not be true. It may or may not be true. But you have to be prepared. You have to be like Whoa, on your surfboard with balance so that when those waves suddenly come, you can go, oh, okay, I can manage this. I can manage this. I can shift a little here, shift a little air, pull this out of the closet, do this, do that. But keep level, keep steady, keep balanced in some context of your own creation. And that context is a context of balance and clarity and awareness. So if you kind of carry your own context with you wherever you go, in a little portable bag. <laughs> <laughs> the, little little context of, kit. I see it. I see it. Yeah, it's a context kit. I could kind of see like a cartoon where, you know, it's, you're standing on a, on a, on a little island and there's a snowstorm blizzarding around you, but you open your context kit and you take out your paintbrush and you repaint the scene and suddenly you're on a tropical island and the sun is out and you're sipping a 
cool corona. You know, you just have to, sometimes you really have to create your own context too, despite what's going on around you. There was that ad when we were young, Colt 45, remember? Yep. And the guy is sitting, it was always these different scenarios, but I loved that ad where the guy was sitting in the middle of a hockey rink with a hockey game raging around him and he was calmly sipping his Colt 45 at this little cafe table. <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out what malt liquor is, but... Yeah, me too. And also Colt 45, I mean, the associations have nothing to do with anything to do with health or well-being. However, that ad is just fantastic. So imagine you're sipping your, you're doing your alternate nostril breathing practice. That's better. On a little cushion in the middle of the... Swirl, the the maelstrom. And you're just going... And just soaking it all in, watching the hysteria around you. So let it be someone else's context. Let your own context always have equanimity and equipoise, my favorite word, which reminds me of porpoises, which reminds me of all good things. Thank you very much, Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. 